Welcome to the Full Potential Podcast. I am your host, Nick Wagner Sr. And every week, I interview guests that share career stories, ideas, and experiences to empower and inspire people to reach their full potential. If you enjoy the episode, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, including Apple Podcasts, Google, and Spotify. Thanks for listening. So Mike Marks, welcome to the Full Potential Podcast. Thrilled to have you. I'd love it if you could just share a little bit about yourself, like who is Mike Marks, if you want to just start there, and then we will dive in. Well, to just give a little more, you know, thank you first for having me on and to give a little more comfort for those people you were saying that are just graduating. Um, I'm also still figuring out <laughs> kind of my place in the world. And I think that's that's one of my keys to success is just finding comfort in that. But um, yeah, as you mentioned, uh, I'm primarily a visual strategist and producer in the Hartford area. Um, you know, my career started pretty much as a still photographer in the editorial field, and then things kind of changed. You know, my career started when we were still shooting Polaroids and films and FedEx, FedEx sending it to magazines. So technology has certainly changed things. And, um, you know, like many people this past year, uh, 2020 has definitely had me, I was kind of already on a path of kind of redoing my narrative a little bit, and then it kind of forced me into redoing it. I mean, I literally got off a plane on March 28th, 2020, and I didn't have any commission work until like the second week of October. So, I mean, like I was okay. My head was above water, but it was a lot of time to just be like, okay, let's not, let's not cry in the corner of the studio again today. Let's kind of like, you know, roll our sleeves up. Let's really look, you know, let's figure out what, what our options are here and kind of go from there. But, um, all kidding aside the past, the past year or so, even maybe two or three years, I have been just kind of revamping stuff a little bit. So, you know, um, producing visuals and helping people kind of build visual narratives is, is my main, uh, my main focus for my business. Um, and yeah, it's just, uh, it, it's interesting. You know, what I do is capture society and society always changes so i always have to change and adapt so it's just one day at a time and and and, and I, I love your point on how you're you're even continuing to grow you have had a successful career and you're still trying to figure it out so i, I absolutely i love the honesty we're going to dive into a lot more what is a visual strategist and how that differs from a photographer right which i think a lot of people just think well, is, 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 are you a photographer? No, you're a lot more than that. And we'll dive into that. But I want I want to, I always start at the beginning, Mike, because I think it's important to kind of look, look to the, to the past to figure out how you ended up here today as a, as an entrepreneur owning your own business in this world of digital media. When you were growing up, like you were little Mike, right? So you're like in elementary school, like what did you want to do when you grew up? Did, was photography always something that you were into even as a little kid? Or, or did you want to be, like I wanted to be an architect because I loved Legos, but what did you want to do when you grew up? Early on, like very early on, like before you had to make a decision, it was a chef. Like I was in love with the kitchen um, and I liked creating things. Um, but when things started getting more serious, like high school age, I wanted to do audio engineering which, you know, work in a recording studio. Yeah. Um, and that was literally like, you know, like junior year when your folks, you know, or whoever family members, friends take you to visit colleges or whatever. I remember, I remember meeting Fiona Apple. I went to, there was a recording school outside of Washington, DC. And it was before totally dating myself now, before her first record came out and she was doing a live broadcast, but it was an audio recording school. And then I checked out Berkeley College of Music and a couple other places. Um, the big thing that was a, a deterrent for me was um, I had a you know great upbringing you know awesome folks, um, but the idea of when you're in the audio field you really had to like give two or three years of like internships and no money 
and I just couldn't fiscally do that. So um, through the audio recording, when I was a young kid, I played drums. I used to be in like punk rock and hardcore bands. And the one thing I started doing was taking my dad's old film camera and you know, different places around Connecticut. There used to be this little underground place in New Haven called the tune in, which was like, I was there, I mean, many, many nights a month. And it was, it was kind of magical because you're going into this place and there wasn't a lot of lights and you'd shoot the film and then you develop the film and it was kind of magical. So, you know, music was always a big part of my life. And so my focus shifted from audio recording more into photography. Um, and that's ended up what, what kind of stuck. So, so let's talk about this because I, I feel the, the topic of college, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it, it's such a hot topic, Mike, because the costs continue to go up, right? I've had so many guests on here that have gone to college, have had great careers. I've had so many guests on here that never went to college, have had great careers. Was it expected that you go to college after high school from your parents? Like, was that something that they were like, you're going or oh, tell, tell us about that. And then no. what did you end up doing? I, so what I ended up doing is um, I grew up, uh, I went to in New Milford, Connecticut, which is Western Connecticut, and I graduated high school in 98. And I ended up going to, I knew that if I didn't go to school, like right away, some sort of university, I would just be content with working. So like how some people take that year off, I knew that probably wouldn't be good for me. Um, I went to Western Connecticut State University for three semesters, and I basically got kicked out because all my art classes, I was getting like three eights, three nines, and like not even showing up to the academic classes. And I was just frustrated. You know, I already had like, at that point, I already had like, I was already photographing a lot. My parents, like I had a dark room, makeshift dark room in the laundry room. And like, I literally like tested into level three as a freshman. So they, the, because I was a photography major, the professor there, Bill Quinnell, who I'm sure has since retired, um, he was like, you need to go somewhere else that focuses more on photography. Um, and it was the best piece of advice. And it, so I say thrown out, but I wasn't thrown out, but he's like, you are, you're so bored here. Um, and I ended up going to the New England School of Photography in Boston, which is kind of a middle ground because it is a trade school. So I have a diploma. I do not have a degree. Um, it was just strict two years, um, nonstop photography, um, commercial photography, uh, primarily. So, um, it was a great experience. So I'm kind of like that happy medium between like, I did do further education and I do value it. You know, I mean, the way I look at it is high school gave you like an empty toolbox and then you have further education and you kind of get tools, but you, you know how to use them, but you don't know why to use them, you know? So then when you get out kind of into the real world, then you're like, okay, I have all these tools. What am I going to do with them? You know? Yeah. And I think you gave, you know, you, you make a great point. You can go to a four-year university, you can go to a trade school, you can go to a community college. It all depends on what you want to do and, and, and what, where you want to get to, right? For you, you got great advice from a professor. Hey, you should go focus on this. You did it and, and look what happened. It's really interesting, Mike, because so you mentioned you graduated from high school in 98. <clears throat> for, for some of my listeners, they'll never, they don't even, they've never even used a film camera, right? I mean, let's be honest, but you remember, and I, and I remember because when I graduated from high school in 99, I worked, I started working at Circuit City, which is like, for those that don't know, a competitor of Best Buy back in the day. I remember selling the first digital cameras from Sony, the Mavicus, which you put floppy disks in. So you, yeah. you, you, you were lucky enough to be able to learn photography on film, which a lot of people today, if they're getting into photography, will never do that. And then got to see the entire digital transformation of the photography business 
from the first digital cameras to where we are today. So that, that's like a pretty cool journey that you've, you've been able to experience from a photography perspective. Yeah, and, and the big thing, like as far as, you know, when I, I got out of photo school and what's traditional is there's not a lot of opportunities for a staff photographer position, unless you're at a newspaper. But back in the early 2000s, it just didn't, it didn't exist. So you either went into journalism or you went into more independent, like, you know, uh, photographing weddings or things like that, or you went into the commercial field. <clears throat> I went into the commercial field and the way to get into that is you don't just start shooting right away. I mean, you're talking about six figure ad campaigns, but you, you assisted photographers and it was a paid position. And where I was in Fairfield County, Connecticut, um, there was a lot of stuff going on. Like it was, I was easily working four to five days a week, no problem, which is wow. like, and, and Connecticut wasn't a big hotbed, but it was just, I really tried to make it here versus, and I'd still take the train and go into New York and assist bigger shoots and things like that. Um, but to your point of seeing the you know the transition of photography, it was a very, it was a very humbling time starting your career. And I speak to some other like you know uh, classmates and stuff when I was in photo school in that time because you're you I was working for a bunch of people that were very resistant to digital. And like this was a point like 2002, 2003, the magazine industry still wasn't accepting digital files per se. Maybe Newsweek was or something because it was hard news, but you know. Uh, Vanity Fair or Fast Company or Fortune, like they still wanted film because it was a better clarity. It was just they 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 didn't want to do the shift yet. So it was a very like humbling time to be like, wow, this is this is shaky for the guy who's been in business for 20 years. Absolutely. So I think that that caters a lot to like how humble that I've been is is like not taking anything for granted. Because it's just like the whole like I lived in Boston when Polaroid went chapter eleven. Like you couldn't find a box of Polaroid in all of Boston. Like it was insane. And I'm like, I have an assignment due next week. And it's like, that's what you did. You shot on Polaroid and then you shot on slide film to get the final image. And it was just this very interesting time, you know? So, um, but again, once you just adapt and you realize like, Hey, it's just another tool in the toolbox, you know, like that's it. Like, it's not the way it is. It's like, how are you going to use it? Why are you going to use it? You know? So it, it was definitely an adjustment curve, but I, I'm, I'm as nerve wracking as it was, I'm grateful for that time of like when I started assisting and getting my career going. Well, and, and I think you got, you, you, you gained a lot of perspective going through that, that digital transformation. So I think that's fantastic. Yeah. So tell us about, you graduated from school, you started doing all this work. At what point did you start actually owning your own business? Right? So was it, was it immediately as a, as like a freelancer or a contractor working with these companies? Like, tell us how that worked because you know, on your LinkedIn, you know, you've been self-employed for 19 plus years. Yeah. So my first, my first paid job, and this is when I considered, you know, I may have been supplementing my income a little bit with some other things, but, um, in 2000, I shot for XXL magazine and I shot outcast at the, or the band outcast at the Orpheum in Boston. And it was just because of who I knew. Like my photo school, there was this thing, the stock room. It's like anytime you had a print, you needed your trays, you needed your easels, your lenses, you would go check it out, go do your work, check it in. This one person that used to work there was a local Boston music photographer. She would cover a lot of shows. She was really, really sick uh, that day. She knew that I was someone that had a, a great, like I said earlier, always photograph bands and things like that. And she goes, listen, I'm going to give you a job. Like, I can't do this job. That's My awesome. friend's the art director. And it's like, it's not like everything. It's not one of those stories. Like, and then from there, it was amazing. No, I it, it was crickets for like a year. But still, I consider that the beginning of my career. And I do consider, you know, when I started assisting, 
um, I was in the business. It's just at that point, my service wasn't producing photographs. It was assisting productions, but it was still like in the business from there. So as in common, when uh, someone's assisting in the commercial photo field, you assist and then eventually little things come in here, you know, Connecticut magazine calls and then this calls and, you know, something else. And then eventually, you know, the assisting work goes less and the commission work goes up. And then, you know, here we are today. So, yeah. So I want, I want to ask this question because I think you, you kind of gave the different paths you could take with, the, with you know, with your, your degree, with, you know, your, 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 your skills with photography was being an entrepreneur, was it exciting for you? Was it scary? Be, and I asked that because I think, I think people, a lot of people fall into two camps, right? There are some people that they only want to be an entrepreneur. They think it's like, it's, you know, they, they're serial entrepreneurs. They love it. They thrive off it. And there's a lot of, a lot of other people in the population, Mike, that are, they're terrified by it. They're like, wait a minute, I'm not going to get a paycheck every other Thursday automatically directly deposited into my bank account. This isn't for me. So what, what was the feeling? at that point, realizing that you're going to be an entrepreneur. Yeah, that word was never in my vocabulary. Like, to be quite honest with you, because the only W-2 job I had my entire life was at 15 when I worked at Subway in New Milford, Connecticut. And it was way, it was simpler back then. It was like white bread and wheat bread. And now there's like 12 types of bread and wraps and all this stuff. I can't even imagine the test that you have to take to get in there. But other than that, I always have been like a contractor. You know, my, my, my father works in the commercial cleaning industry. Like I would set, spend summers washing windows for his company. Like I would do freelance catering. You know, I would do yard work. Like uh, my whole life, it was always like, do the work, do a good job, you get paid. You know, and it's, it, I've always had that. It wasn't a fear, but it's like, you know, they don't have to call me back. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like there's, uh, and especially in like the photography assisting game, it's like there was, there was a decent amount of people when I, you know, I stayed a little in Boston and it was like a very, very small pond with a lot of fish in it. And it's like a lot of people were going for stuff. So, um, and I have thought about this, but like, no, I never have considered myself an entrepreneurial person in a sense, you know, because everything that I was going into was always a self-contractor environment. So that word just wasn't as common, not saying I wasn't doing it, but that, that it. really, that word wasn't there for me. But I mean, it's funny though because when I when I look at who you are, when I look at your background, when I when I go to when I go to your website, markscreative.com, I think of you as an entrepreneur, as as an innovator, right? Like in this space, so it's just interesting how sometimes you don't even think of ourselves as something, but other people think of us as that. So I just I, I just want to share that with you. So you know, you've been doing this for nineteen years, but this idea of a visual strategist that you talked about earlier, right? At what point did that, at what point did you make that shift from photographer to what you call a visual strategist, right? And, and, and you don't call, you don't even call your business Mike Marks Photography. You call it Marks Creative, right? So tell us about, tell us about this journey and this evolution. I probably, you know, I, I would say evolution of both yourself and your, your work. So let me just give a quick, like, pre pretext of, the way that I, I mean, at the end of the day, I, I help people produce visuals, but is the way I feel and the way I go about, let's say, taking a photograph for a client, is the work I put in really different than a lot of other people that call themselves photographers? No, I'm just choosing a different language and putting it forward. You know, like my business was Mike Mark's photography early on for most of those years. Um, the language started shifting because... Technology enabled 
people in in the visual creation field like the barrier to entry was so much lower absolutely like photography was a science literally chemicals paper all that sort of thing digital has made things you know it's more about you know a technician and my goal was always to build relationship-based clients versus transactional-based clients. And a lot of times if someone says, and I know like we've, we've taught, we've had conversations about this before and I'm not knocking like the term headshot, but sometimes the work that goes into that, the problem is like, that's very like, you know, uh, mass produced sounding. And I always want people to, you know, the visual strategy where it comes from, you know, 95% of it is before the images are created and before the visuals are created. It's like, what are we actually trying to do? Again, I'm not doing anything new, but the way that I'm kind of building my relationships with people, it's like, listen, I need you to be as invested in what we want to execute before we execute it. Um, so it's just bringing in more strategy work and helping people realize what they want. And at the end of the day, because technology makes things easier, it also has made a lot of people, uh, it has made budgets smaller for the type of things that I do. And that's also difficult because just because things are digital, it's not less work because we're not shooting film. I mean, the stack of hard drives I have over here, I mean, it's just, there's still a tremendous amount of like asset management and, and you know, there, there's still, you know, the, the work has not simplified. The conversation has greatly improved with my clients because you can see things in real time and really build that narrative. And I, I love technology in that sense, being able to shoot and comes up on the computer, you know, like when I photographed you, like it's, it helps build the conversation. It's wonderful. Um, and really a lot of it just came from me being like, you know what, if I say I'm a photographer, somebody else can price shop and Google photographer and find like a whole flood of other people. So I don't have any more of a complex answer than that. It was just like, what am I really trying to do here? And what I really enjoyed doing was helping people determine what what visuals would give the most value and give the return for them i mean when you walk into my studio there's a conference table and two eight-foot whiteboards and people think i rent it out for corporate meetings it's like no that's where that's where i make make money right there like that's where i help people kind of figure out what you want and then at the end of the day we're creating exactly what they need and it's not that oh we'll, we'll know what we want when we see it it's like that's not account managers don't like that attitude you know, you're, you're, you're spending money to produce content that may not be used. Um, and I, you know, I, I just, I want to be a good vendor. I want to build good relationships. So, um, it really was around language, you know, taking the word photography out, taking the word photographer out. Um, and it's a simple thing, but again, I don't, I don't feel like I'm doing things differently than someone that calls themselves a photographer. I'm just, you know, my, uh, my communications and my outreach are of a different vernacular to hopefully have different conversations. I just, I, I wanted to hit on that because I think it's super important because when we think about the world we live in today, and again, I have a lot of people that listen to this that might be looking for a job or might might be thinking about changing jobs, things like that. And we always talk about this idea of personal brand and how important that is today when you're applying for a job or you're online. And and what I, what I find so interesting about what you do is like you can help people develop those personal brands as a visual strategist which I don't think a traditional photographer could do. And I think that's the difference, right? Because I think you take what people are trying to, you, perfect example, when you photographed me, the conversation we had and, and where we ended up with, with what you produced for me is from a content perspective, like it was just, it, it, it was who I was, right? And I think by getting to understand who the people are, you help develop the right content for that person's brand, which I think is what worked. And I just think, 
again, if you're trying to differentiate yourself from, you know, hundreds of other people, you know, applying for a job, that's so important today. So I just, I just, I wanted to hit on that because I think it's such, it's such a, it, it was like a slight pivot you did, but it was so important. And it's helped. It's, it's been a huge, I appreciate you saying that. And, and, you know, it, it's been a, it was a small pivot as well for me internally, but it was such a huge pivot. Like at the end, it was kind of like, oh, there's this whole other, this whole other sort of thing. I mean, even it's to the point where it's like, you know, I do a little bit of video work, but like, if somebody's like, we need you to be kind of like the producer and the director of this. And it's like, I'll bring in, I'll bring in photographers or bring in videographers. Like, that's fine. You know? Um, and just a quick touch on your point of like people building the brands and stuff. It's like, a lot of what I do as well with organizations or individual people is fight that urge of this is what I do. That person does the same thing. So I need to look exactly like them. And it's like, mm, do you? And that's where the whiteboard comes in, <laughs> you know, yeah, no, and it's yeah, absolutely and it's one of those things where <clears throat> and it was when you're and I'm not by no means am I knocking your book, but I get really skeptical sometimes with titles like that because I know you're doing it as a source of inspiration. I know you specifically, but there's so many of those steps sort of things and people look at it as answers versus points of awareness or more tools for the toolbox. And it's the miss in the world we're in, whatever it is, even photography, people are like, oh, would you do a lighting workshop in your studio? It's like, no. It's like, just because I put the light there doesn't mean you put the light there and you're going to get at the end of the day, what are you trying to accomplish? Like, what is this person supposed to look like? Like if it's a nonprofit working in like, let's, you know, uh, you know, uh, wellness or healthcare, like you don't want to make them look like it's an ad for circuit city. And it's like really harsh lighting from the eight. It's like, that wouldn't, maybe it would make sense, but it's like, you need to have that conversation and really build that. And, you know, again, a lot of commercial photography, the in-between is some sort of ad or communication agency, you know, and they're building the narratives and doing that. And, and by no means am I trying to, you know, uh, step wedge myself into what they're doing. But I just think in general, there's so much content out there that it's just like, what really matters? Like, I still believe in the power of a single still frame image and how it can literally just stop. You know what I mean? Even, you know, like that famous picture of, of Muhammad Ali, like standing above, you know, with the, I mean, like a, an image like that is just, it's unbelievable, you know, and I still think it has that power, whether it's a billboard or a magazine or, or whatever. No. And, and I, and I think, I think your point is that you can find those images with pretty much anyone. If, 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 if you give, if you give people a chance, right. I mean, I think, which I love. So, so I want, I want to talk about your clients because you do, you do work for individuals. You do work for for businesses, for profits, nonprofits, all all sorts of different companies. Mm -hmm. I want to I want I want to ask two things. So share share like one of your greatest successes that you're like, wow! I look back and this was just you know awesome. I did I did great. It was it was exactly what I wanted. And then maybe share something that didn't go so well. I and mean, you don't have to name the client if you don't want to. But what did you learn from that, right? Because I always like to hear from my guests like things that went well or things that didn't go well, and maybe what you learned from that, how how you bounced back. Um, the one thing that, because I, what I was just mentioning before is a lot of times in commercial work, there's always an in-between like an agency or things like that. And that's great. But a lot of times, uh, as a content creator, people come to you with kind of a narrative or art direction already built. And they're like, Hey, visual puzzle peacemaker, this is what we need you to do. And that's the way it is. And that's fine. And that's cool. And you know, it's an existing client for them and they've worked on this for months. Um, but showing that work is 
you know, sometimes it's like I may not be the full creative force behind that because it wasn't necessarily my idea. So creative work or personal creative work is always what strives in this industry, like to show my potential clients and, and ad buyers and art buyers, you know, this is what I'm creating. I'm 100% behind this narrative. So the biggest success that I had was this long and it's, a, you know, the section still on my website is a, a long personal project I did with the Connecticut National uh, Multiple Sclerosis Society, Connecticut chapter. Um, for three years, I documented people in the state of Connecticut that have MS. And it was a personal project. Like they were a client. And, you know, I came across this book and it was like people across the country with MS and like nobody was from Connecticut. And I'm like, why don't we do something on the local level? You know, I mean, I think at the time that it was like 5,800 people in the state were diagnosed. And that was a really long project. And because there was no real, there was no real money on the table, you know, um, I, I felt free. Like I didn't have that nervousness of like, I can't lose this client. I was kind of like, no, this is, you're dealing with me now, you know, like let's, let's go about it. And, you know, three years later we had a big show at the, the JCC in West Hartford. And then the show traveled, it was on display at Aetna and in Stanford and New Haven. And, um, I mean, I really think that project from a, from a point of like building visual narratives and like understanding and, and making sure I educated myself before I went into a shoot, it really did sculpt like how I am. Um, and then the flip side of that would be, it's, it's not a regret, but it's just kind of a shoot that was kind of, you know, it was a, a regional ad campaign and, you know, it was video and stills and I was a little, it was a new client and I was a little scared and I didn't speak up as much as I think I should have. And everything was fine. Everybody was happy. It was all good. But at the end of the day, like looking at the work and remembering being put like transporting myself back there and being like, oh, we could have done this and this and this if I just wasn't so nervous or you know what I mean? Like there were certain things like when you're working with children, they legally can only be on set for so many hours. And like they were kind of cutting corners and I'm like, I don't know if that'll work. Let's just and just trying to like persuade them a little bit and convince them like, listen, I think if we stay working in this space, we're going to have like a lot more variety versus shifting locations. And you know what I mean? So it was basically just like trusting my gut, I think was what I came from that it wasn't really a regret or regret. But it's just like, listen, I have a responsibility here. At the end of the day, I'm trying to create work that's good for them, but also keep work that just keeps the bar high in my industry. You know? Yeah, no, I think that's well said, and I and I love because it's a great transition as well. How the thing you're most proud of was something that was really a volunteer activity, philanthropic, to give back to the, the state and this community of people with MS. So I, I love that, um, and and it sounds like it was it was a just wildly successful for you. So I want to talk about that because not only are, are you an entrepreneur and you have a successful you know business, you're also you're really involved in the community here in Connecticut. And I want to talk about your you. It was it was just last year during COVID. You became executive director of the Connecticut Art Directors Club. So, yes. so tell us tell us what that is and why is working with with that organization, which I don't think is a paid position, if I recall what you said. Right, I think that's a volunteer position. Why why is that important to you? So. I was on the, so the Connecticut Art Directors Club was founded in 1975 and it was basically in the time of like Mad Men, literally, where like the ad executives would get all the credit. And then, you know, you've got the creative people like the designers and the illustrators, you know, they'd be splitting like a bad bottle of booze, you know, like, yay, you know, they got the recognition, you know. So it, it started um, 
out of this, like, let's create something, an awards show, a community around the creators that are doing this. And it was always based around an annual award show. Um, I was a member for a few years and then was on the board of directors for a few years. Um, you know, our directors club is a 501c3. Um, and it was because it was like an amalgam of all the different organizations. Like I'm a member of ASMP, which is the photo association. It's a great organization. Um, and then, you know, there's different graphic ones, but they're local chapters of national nonprofits. The CEDC is its own nonprofit. And it was really like designers, photographers, production people. It was like a great, you know, and what I wanted to do was just grow. Like I wanted to be around people that were on the same, like I was saying, those ad agencies would have the, the narrative built and then they'd come to me. I just wanted to be a fly in the wall for those conversations when they were building those narratives. Like, how can I just be a sponge and soak that stuff in? And at the time, um, the president was Jason Cheshire, who's head creative director for Go Media here in Hartford. And I just went to him and I said, listen, man, I just want to make sure you know that I'm not trying to like come in here and pitch work like this. And he goes, I know you're not going to be like that, you know. So cut to, you know, late winter, early spring 2020. We're getting ready for our annual award show this pandemic this covid thing is like in the news every every few pages and we're planning the show and then it, things were just getting bad and march is when we usually have to start putting deposits down and things i'm still a board member at this point and we canceled the show and at the same token there was someone that was going to step in in the executive director because the current ed was in for 10 years and she was just she was planning to step down for a year or so and because of COVID, the person that was going to step in, she had some stuff that she had to deal with. She's like, I can't commit to this anymore. So the executive director looked at me. She's like, you're the only one that I think is capable of doing this, like right now. And it was at the time where I was like, well, everything in my life kind of just slowed down right now. And I didn't necessarily commit right away. I said, I need to see what's under the hood. Like I need to, I need to know what this organization is all about. Cause it is, it is a paid position, but it's a very, very small, small paid position. Got it. Um, it's technically volunteer at this point because I show got canceled last year. Um, but, uh, it's got such a great history and legacy. I mean, it's just unbelievable. I mean, our logo is created by Paul Rand who, you know, created the first Apple logo, like the rainbow logo. Like he created the, wow. idea. like, I mean, there's some, some heavy hitters and things like that. And, and it's, um, at the end of the day, I do believe like creativity, you know, it, it makes change happen, whether it's photograph or illustration or design or something, you know? So, um, it's been a very interesting role for me. Uh, it's been a very tough role. I mean, and, but I think what has really happened for the organization that's been tremendous and wonderful. And I think I would have said it if I was ED, even, you know, uh, exec, I'm not talking bad about the old leadership, but, the organization kind of lost its way over the past few years and having the annual award show canceled made us be able to reflect on all of that. And I think, uh, you know, even if I was ED back then, I wouldn't have thought it lost its way. I think anybody in this position after a year off, you're like, Whoa, okay, we need to. Um, but there's a lot of things that are exciting. You know, I mean, technically the organization is based out of my studio now, which is Hartford County. So that enables us to be, um, you know, uh, available, you know, for much more sort of opportunities and grant funding and things. And, you know, the main thing that my goal of what we want to do is you know, first and foremost, kind of celebrate the creativity amongst the creatives in Connecticut. And also the thing that has always been there, but I think it needs to be more is being that connective tissue with the education 
sector and just, you know, colleges and universities. And, you know, I've spent, gosh, I mean, the early part of, uh, late part of 2020, early part of 2021, I was just having Zoom calls on a regular basis with like early leadership, like our founder, past presidents, past board members, just like kind of like not asking them what to do, but being like, you were, you volunteered here and it mattered. Why? Like, why did it matter then? You know, and again, technology hit this field as well. So um, every, every organ, every, you know, discipline that the art directors club kind of represents and is in our community, they're all unlicensed trades. So the same sort of stuff that you're speaking to about people that are getting out of school, it's the same thing, especially in the design field, you know? So, um, it's been a very interesting shift for me. Years ago, I was like, hey, you know, to, to do something in the nonprofit sector would be wonderful. And then I, I didn't, it's like, careful what you wish for, I guess. Um, and now it's come into with this, but um, I'm really proud of the work we're doing. We did pull off a virtual show, which airs next week, uh, July 22nd, live on YouTube. Uh, we like put together a broadcast um, just because when we had to start planning this stuff, you know, we didn't know if we could still get together yet, but, um, it's exciting, you know, and it's another shift of like, oh, I can exist without equipment in my hand. Like I'm facilitating creative conversations. It's just, it's a very interesting time. Like I was not lying when I said earlier that I'm still figuring out because all these different opportunities are presenting themselves. And it's like, you know, like those things that keep you up at night for the, for good reasons, those are obviously worth doing. Maybe you can't put into words why, but it's just in your gut. Like it feels good. So you're like, all right, I'm going to keep going. You know, and that's kind of my guts it, led me to a lot of places. <laughs> it, but again, it's interesting how and it, uh, originally it was just volunteer work, right? I mean, you joined an organization, you volunteered, you were on the board, and then it ended up being more than that. And yeah. now it's and now it's you know neither the executive director. So it's, it's a great story, and I always I always try to share with people on this podcast, with people I mentor, with people I coach, that that volunteering can absolutely lead to amazing opportunities, right? Networking opportunities, job opportunities, business opportunities, right? So could you get to meet people that you tip or, or typically wouldn't meet in your in your normal circles? Yeah, you know, to your point, like, you know, things happen that you didn't expect to happen. So I love that story. And I appreciate you sharing. I just wanted to make sure we hit on that. Because I think I think that's a big part of, you know, how you're kind of also giving back to the, the community that, that you're a part of here, here in Connecticut, with, mm -hmm. uh, with, you know, just with, with art in general. So thank you so much for, for making time, join us on the show. I always close with the no same question, Mike, which is, I think it's so, so critical, which is why I always ask with every guest, if you had to give my audience one piece of advice on what's helped you reach your full potential. So what has helped you be successful in these 19 plus years, owning your own business and being a su successful visual strategist, what would that piece of advice be? Uh, don't focus on what you think you need, but focus on what you have. I mean, I, and I you like can take... use the word focus in, yeah. in your advice <laughs> as a photographer. I like that. No, yeah. so ex explain a little bit more. I mean, and I don't, I don't mean, I mean, interpret it as you may, like it, it can be, you can interpret that fiscally, you know, like physical things or information, you know, like to me, uh, uh, you know, one of the things in my level of like, you know, what success is, is like knowing who your audience is, like, who's going to find what I do appealing, you know, photography is a very technical thing. So when I started, I was like, I need this scanner, I need this light, I need this lens. And at the end of the day, I was just racking up credit card debt, which I thankfully paid off. But still, it's like, that doesn't matter. You know, so, you know, it, it's definitely like, a half full mentality. 
uh, versus half empty. And like, you know, get people to invest in you, not what you're producing for them or not what you're giving to them. You know, that was the big thing with photography. It's like, you know, it, you know, I have someone that I've been in communication with. Uh, she interned me a couple summers ago and I was like, don't get people to invest like to, to, you know, hire you for what you're producing for them. You want them to be like, we've got something to do. We know so-and-so is going to be able to do it for us. Mm -hmm. Don't let that, because that's, you know, that's, it's, it's transactional, you know? And I think there's only one of you. So if you, if you build your business around you and what you're doing, like I, to me, it's just, it's a little easier to get that call. You know, you're not going to get that call that says, oh, we found somebody to do, to do it cheaper. <laughs> Cause that's right. Because it's no longer transactional. They want you and they want you, you yeah. know, your, like what you bring to the table. So I think that, I think that's great advice. So, so, yeah. so Mike Marks, thank you. We're going to link to uh, markscreative.com in the show description on both YouTube and all the major podcast platforms. We'll also link to your LinkedIn. If anyone wants to connect with you there, uh, if they have questions about, you know, your, your career, if they have questions about uh, the Connecticut art directors club, if they have questions about how to hire you, right. If they have questions about, Hey, um, I want to learn more about your world, right? I mean, anything will we'll let people get in touch with you, but sure. I appreciate you making time. This is a fantastic discussion and uh, thanks for being on the Full Potential Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Full Potential Podcast. If you'd like to hear more interviews, please subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform, including Apple Podcasts, Google, and Spotify. You can also connect with us on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And don't forget to check out our website, fullpotentialmovement.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing and be well.